Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. TVP's announcements. This is a series that we have on our network where we give you announcements about upcoming projects and platforms that are entering the crypto ecosystem. Now, this is a disclaimer because we do that now. So, here's the thing this is the presentation of a platform, and that's it. This is an investment advice. Don't take it as investment advice. If you like the platform, seek it out in the show notes. Go there, buy the things, invest in the platform. Help them out with your skill sets. But we're not giving you any recommendations or advice. This is just for you to listen to and soak up some new information about a new platform in this ecosystem. So, please enjoy. Hello, everybody. If you heard that specific awesome music by The Absurdist, you know it is time for another one of TVP's announcements. And today, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we welcome to the show Aaron Wagner, COO and co-founder of MXC Token. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Good deal. So we like to start out these shows uh, very similar, and that is, you know, everybody's going about their business, um, working hard and or maybe they're in school or, you know, there's there's no telling what they're doing. And then all of a sudden they get wind of cryptocurrency and how it's going to change the world and uh, <laughs> how it's going to change everything and revolutionize everything and blockchain technology or distributed letter tech technology, however they hear about it. But yeah. once they do and then it clicks, it's over. And it kind of becomes a lifestyle. And so, so how did you come in contact with blockchain? How were you introduced to it? What's your, what's your background? Yeah, my background originally is uh, I've, I've got 15 years in international business experience. So that's, that's kind of my, well, that is my role here at MXC. And what I'm trying to do, a little bit what you guys are doing with your podcast, is to really take this to the masses and get pe more people involved in, look, of course, I'm a fan of MXC and what we're doing, but also for people to understand tokenization, cryptocurrencies, how it works, and the purposeness of, well, some of those tokens, in particular MXC. So what I'm trying to do with my role in business development is take this to the market, really explain what we're doing, and, and maybe just briefly touching on that. Um, what we're doing with MXC is really trying to uniquely enable or enable secure and vastly scalable data transactions so in a very in a very fast way and and what we do to do that is is using lp1 technology and for the, your listeners who aren't aware of lp1 technology it stands for low power wide area network 
And what this is, is in a sense, it's a device data network that allows people to send device data over extremely long distances. And we're talking in excess of 20 miles, um, around about 30 plus, over 30 kilometers. And that's uh, for very low power, low energy. And that's something we're very, very fortunate to be using in regards to what we're, we're looking for to create efficient device data transactions and enable and immobilize smart cities. So my background in all of that, um, as I said, 15 years of, of business development, often working in a lot of different areas such as Germany or Berlin, Germany, where we're based now. I'm originally from Australia, but I've worked in a lot of different markets in that time. So Germany, um, Italy, UK, Australia, Brazil, um, Middle East, I lived in for a few years as well. And what I've been doing there is, is, I guess, introducing a lot of different digital markets or a lot of digital business development ideas and getting them involved into the bigger markets. So this is always been a perfect fit for me. And this is something that we started, um, I guess we started looking at MXC and, and cryptocurrencies as a whole um, as a company about a year and a half ago or so when we started getting more into the hardware aspect. And I guess from that perspective, my, my background is more into the business development of, of hardware and IoT hardware. And that's sort of how we got involved or that is how we got involved with with mxc and and finding the issues or the problems with with iot in particular and hardware in regards to that and how we can solve it using black blockchain technologies so that's probably the long answer to your very short question good deal we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig into that what you just highlighted sure. with, the, with the problem um that that you guys feel you have a solution to um but first, I want to ask, what was the coolest country you've worked in? Because it seems like you have a lot of experience under your belt. I want to, where where do I need to travel? Yeah, I mean, look, I've worked in I've worked in some crazy countries, I guess, like especially or, or very very peculiar markets in the last fifteen years for sure. But I've really enjoyed all of them. I think the favorite place that I've been is probably Brazil. It reminded me the most of home of Australia, and that was a, a really a lot of fun living in Brazil and and working there. I really like the culture there. It's very laid back. Um, and, you know, there's some exciting markets as well, like Saudi Arabia. It's very, very different to Brazil, obviously. But um, still, you know, they've all got their merits and, and all very interesting markets. But I think out of all the ones I've, I've worked in, I think Brazil was the most fun for me. And also being based here in Berlin, it's a great city in Germany and something I'm always excited to be here and, and really come home or call it home. So, yeah. Mm. Very lucky. I, I wish I, I think I've only been to different states in the U.S. and I think Mexico, not I think, I've been to Mexico and Canada. Okay. That's about it. That's like, those are neighbors, you know. That's yeah. Like, now nah, we've been sure now. But anyways, let's get back to the task at hand. So the machine exchange coin, MXC, um, obviously you've seen a problem um, that exists in the market and you're looking to solve that. And so we always like to try and, you know, clearly define what is that problem and what's the need for the MXC? Yeah. Well, thank you. Firstly, like that's that's the biggest issue I always find right now is that there's a lot of ICOs out there. And I, was, I know I'm sure your listeners are aware of this. There are so many ICOs out there. But the question is really, what is the purpose of them? And when we were looking at what we were doing in the hardware industry, we really focused on a lot of issues surrounding hardware, in particular into, into the area of IoT. Now, we've heard for, I don't know, I would say five to 10 years, smart cities are coming and connected worlds are coming and connected devices to make your life easier. But 
to a large extent, this hasn't really happened. And devices are growing. We're getting more and more devices and, and data as a result of that. So what we were looking at is, is the shortcomings of what was currently being used. And those shortcomings are surrounded by things such as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, which were never really designed or devised to carry a lot of data transactions or transmissions for, for the amount of devices that are out there and the amount of devices that are growing. Um, I think it's about 125 billion by 2030 um, mm -hmm. devices out there. So at, look, we all know the problems and, and the limitations of Wi-Fi. It doesn't reach a long distance. Um, there are cut, it cuts out quite regularly. It doesn't handle a lot of people getting on the Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we're, we've been focusing on the last few years is LPWAN technology. So using this LPWAN technology, um, we are able to send device data transmissions and transactions uh, over excessive distances, as I mentioned before, so 20 plus miles um, from a sensor or a device sensor using an LPWAN gateway and then sending that to the cloud. So that's really exciting. But of course, with all these new technologies, there are problems and limitations to this. And the limitation that we saw was that Firstly, it wasn't being used that often. Now, there's a reason for that I'll happily get into later. Um, and secondly, was there was a lot of issues around collision of the data. Now, this collision of the data is a big problem in regards to that. And, and using the MX protocol um, at the Machine Exchange Coin, we have worked out ways where we can really uh, focus on delivering this, this data in a more efficient manner and, and ensuring that it gets to the, to the spots it needs to be delivered uh, in, in, as I said, in, in, a, in an efficient manner, but also in a very fast manner as well. So this is ultimately what we're looking to build out. But on top of that, because we are extremely multifaceted at MXC, what we're looking to do is also build up LPWAN technology or LPWAN as a device data network. So we believe this is the future of IoT, and that's why we have uh, you know, a lot of different elements into what we're doing at MXC and LPWAN is, is, is one of the key aspects there. It's, um, it's good that you, that you, uh, you highlight data collisions. And, and for those of you who um, have never worked intimately with like Git or maybe uh, the excellent services of Office 360, thank you, Microsoft, you will experience the data collision or two. But could you maybe, uh, you know, take the chance, there's a learning moment for our audience. What, what are data collisions and, and, and why are you, you know, tackling them? Well, exactly as I touched on before, like this is the issue is that we experience data collisions right now. So lost data, data that doesn't get to the end and destination. And as a result of that, it's quite frustrating. And it's just a lot of wasted energy and money for a lot of people. So in regards to how we're solving data collision is we're looking at really tasking the data or setting up the data in a purposeful manner where certain data gets held back, certain data gets delivered at certain areas, depending on a bidding structure and depending on the value of that data and the emerging um, aspects of that data. So that's kind of how the MX protocol works. And, and look, as I said, using this new technology or relatively new technology, I should say in LPWAN, we want to deliver that um, using this device data network, which now I'm going to go to LPWAN, is extremely decentralized, and that's why we think it's it's a beautiful thing for blockchain and also cryptocurrency users. I do. Um, so let's let's touch on this MX protocol. Is this um, is this an Ethereum-based token? Is this did you fork off of a, a popular um, blockchain to build the MX protocol? Is this a brand new from the ground up protocol, um, as they say, a fat protocol? 
is the lingo. Uh, yep. what, tell us more about the MX protocol. So, so in regards to the protocol or to what we're doing, we're building the MX protocol and what we're doing at MXC or in, in regards to the MX protocol is we are launching as an ERC-20 and we're in negotiations with, uh, and we have a lot of, lot of connections to a lot of different tokens out there, but we're in discussions with Stellar um, right now to see how we can uh, integrate Stellar solutions into what we're doing. So we're not about building a new chain. What we're doing is building what we say in the industry, a parachain. And within this parachain and potentially using Stellar moving forward is we're looking to build a chain that is interoperable with a lot of different other chains. So most chains out there, and I think majority of the chains out there are singular chains. So what this means is that we can place our MXC parachain on top of other chains and allow them also to integrate using, allow them to integrate with MXC, the data um, trading network, the data trading platform. And what they can do then is use other cryptocurrencies to purchase, trade this data. Um, I also want to tell your viewers right, or, or your listeners right now that we are not just a trading platform. I know there's a lot of those out there as well, um, but we are allowing other singular chains to get involved with the data market. And that's something very exciting, what we're doing and rolling out, which is very unique um, to MXC and to the data world. Very good. Very good. So... I'm, I've looked at your white paper and I see that there's some some comparisons between other Internet of Things. So IOTA Streamer, of course. Um, what is the standout between, you know, what's the differentiator between MXC, IOTA, Streamer? Um, I think there's some DAG chains that are some other DAG chains that I can't think of off the top of my head. But um, why MXC over yeah. IOTA? Yep, no, totally. Look, that's a question we get quite often. I'm, I'm more than happy to explain that. So we get, being in the IoT world, we get a lot of comparisons between, okay, what's the difference between you guys and Streamer, you guys and IOTA? Um, and IOTA is also based here in Berlin as well. We know them quite well. But, I mean, obviously, as you know, we don't use uh, Tangle. I guess that's the first and most obvious thing, uh, difference to, between us and IOTA. But we offer a lot of different um, facets within our in our um, offering. So, we do machine-to-machine -machine, uh, communication for sure. We also offer a data or a trading platform for the device data, which um, some of them, some other ones do. I think IOTA has recently re released one, but we're also bringing in smart bidding. So that allows this data flow to happen a lot more easily um, and allow people to start trading that data a lot more easily. So that's another key aspect to it. A third aspect to it is also a thing what we call network coverage. So we're doing a very unique thing within tokenization, allowing for a shared economy. So what this shared economy means, and I'll bring this back to LPWAN or low power wide area network. This LPWAN is currently available or been around for a few years now. And the strength is, is and it's also, I guess it's all the, the, the gift and the curse of LPWAN is the fact that it's decentralized. Now, what this means is, of course, is because it's decentralized, it hasn't really had the promotion that a lot of other um, technologies have had out there because a lot of the big companies simply can't profit from it. Although it's, it's specifically uh, uh, developed for, LP uh, for device data, it hasn't really reached its, its, the crux of, of really pushing that device data. And the reason behind this is because it's so decentralized. So literally anyone can buy a piece of hardware, set it up at home and start 
start sending out their device data network and allowing other people to send sensor data. So what we decided to do is, is um, get the services of some uh, shared economy experts. So one of our advisors is uh, Jeffrey Wernick, who's an early investor and advisor to Airbnb and Uber, plus someone who's been in Bitcoin since 2009, which not many people can actually say, I guess. But um, we started speaking to him about how we can arrange a shared economy around promoting and getting a bottom-up aspect of people promoting LPWAN, so building out LPWAN networks for themselves or device data networks for themselves. So what we did there is look at a shared economy where we say to people on top of this, because we're so LPWAN focused, we want people to build out their LPWAN networks. So if you buy hardware from any LPWAN provider, many people on your, on your podcast can Google it or Amazon, you'll find a lot of different um, LPWAN gateways out there. You buy one, you set it up at home very simply, a plug and play approach, and then you set up your device data network. So what happens with this device data network, as I said, is it travels, you know, depending on, on, on how much elevation you get, but it can travel in excess of 20 miles. So now you've got this device data network traveling 20 miles and anyone who sends their sensor data using your network will pay you for that coverage as well. And so we're really trying to promote this bottom-up decentralized aspect of allowing people to earn from providing a service. And that's very much uh, you know, a high aspect of tokenization and cryptocurrencies of this decentralized um, area. And that's something we really want to push for LPWAN. In addition yeah. to this, and, and I guess this is probably the final point in that in regards to that, is that what makes us different from the other a lot of other cryptocurrencies and IoT cryptocurrencies out there is that we already have, due to our, our experience and our background, we have a lot of hardware um, connections out there. So the beautiful thing is, is once we've finished um, or completed the MX protocol, it's really a patch update for a lot of the hardware out there. Now we have hardware already available in over 40 countries. It's live and working and it's got a working infrastructure and a, and a, and a hardware network, which we can implement the MX protocol on top of. So this is a really beautiful thing that's extremely unique within the IoT world and to towards a lot of tokenization where we have a ready-made product working businesses that are using this technology and we can implement the MX protocol on top of that. So we are ready, ready to go as soon as we can launch that. We don't have to negotiate with all of those. It's really a, very much a business-focused um, company that we're using blockchain more as a tool uh, instead of a purpose. So. I do. So from a security standpoint, how do you feel this is is as easy to secure, you know, for instance, you know, you see all these, I don't know whether it's myth or reality where people can like hack into, you know, people's refrigerator or hack into their toaster or whatever it may be, or hack into their worst case scenario, like a nest cam mm. or something, you know, watching their kids or, or a webcam. Uh, since this is essentially just like a totally different network that's kind of ratcheted on to the way that the, the greater internet works, you know, what, what's the security? You know, if I have an LP, uh, LP WAN and then, you know, a couple kilometers down the road, there's another node on the network, um, you know, how is the network going to assure that the other nodes are playing by the rules yeah. and there's no foul play? So what happens there in regards to that is that, and I just want to maybe just reassure your listeners as well. This we're talking about big data here. LP WAN is, is is designed specifically to to take up small pings or small elements of data. So 
we cannot nor do we want to know who you called, um, who your friends are, what what you wrote on the last message or SMS or WhatsApp. Um, we'll leave all of that to Facebook, I think. But um, for for our perspective, <laughs> what what we're looking at is is big data, so things such as air quality, energy efficiency, um, soil moisture detection, all these kind of things. Um, that's that's really our game here with LP WAN. So I want to just just ease up any fears there in regards to the data that we're talking about. Now, in regards to LP WAN, this is a, a very exciting thing about LP WAN is that the entire network there is end-to-end -end encrypted. So that means if you set up a device data network, and this is extremely important for this uh, to, in order for this to all work, you set up a device data network and you've got hundreds or thousands of people sending sensor device data through your network, it's imperative that you can't see what they're sending. You may have provided the network, but it's imperative that you can't see what other people are sending. And so that's the beauty of it where everything sent across this network is completely end-to-end -end encrypted. So the gateway that is set up in providing this network, it doesn't store any information by anyone. What happens is these sensors then choose out their own cloud. We do not store the information as well. It's your data. You deserve to profit from it. And what happens is this data then is sent via the gateway or the gateway acts as a bridge to the cloud or to the end destination, which you choose to send that sensor data to. Thank you. Knock that question out of the ballpark. That's worried. security for you, yeah. <laughs> worried, about, worried about my nieces and nephews. They each have yeah, an S cam. Hey, we're, we're all consumers, so I think it's important, you know, if, if I think we just want to do things that we would expect or hope that other people would do as well. So the deal. security is um, important. So let's let's change the subject a little bit. This is uh, crypto. So there is a token involved. There is a token sale involved. So are there any details about the token sale um, that you would like to outline for our listeners? Maybe hardcore dates or a place they can go to gather if they want to talk about the project um, or maybe how the allocation is set forth. Um, yeah, just, just details about the token. Sure. So we've done a pre-sale already, or we've started up our pre-sale. So we had an early investor, or how we broke it down. Let me, let me start that again. We had an early investor around. Mm -hmm. Then we are currently in our private sale, and we'll be opening up our public ICO um, in September. So in about three weeks, I would say, All approximately, right. uh, we'll be opening up our public ICO. So what's been really exciting, we're extremely humbled, especially within this very bear market. I think that's the, you know, the elephant in the room. Um, within this bear market, we've been extremely humbled by the high interest that people have had in MXC and what we're doing for device data and allowing these boons of device data transactions to happen. So um, we had, or we, the, the, the early investor was sold out very quickly. And I want to reiterate, we are a business. So we make sure that we make strong business decisions. I know there are a lot of ICOs out there that sell out, um, let's say basically sell their souls in order to get some big investors involved. But we were very strategic with this. So we really wanted to make sure and also you know, to pay homage to everyone who invests in us that we make strategic decisions. So for our early investors, we got companies such as uh, Fenbushi, which approached us, Pre-Angel, Block Asset, uh, QuarkChain, VeChain, Longhash. Some of those names may ring a bell with, with your viewers. Um, mm -hmm. And some of those are some of the biggest names in the industry to invest in MXC. So what happened with the with the uh, the private sale, which we're going through now is we had, and it's all on our, uh, you know, very transparent white paper at mxc.org that people can look at. We have our um, private sale going on now. It's closing off soon within the next week or so, I would say. 
And we had about 80 to 90 spots available. So for 80 or 90 different investors within the private sale. For that round, we had 3,200 applications for that. So that was really exciting for us, but of course, a lot of work as well, because look, money's great. And, and I certainly, you know, I'm very thankful for even one ether. We're very happy for anyone who invests in MXC and we're very, take that as a higher level of responsibility. But what we also wanted to do besides the money is who can help us strategically moving forward. So we were in a very advantageous position to say, look, we received so many applications at 3,200 for around about 80 to 90 positions who can help us post ICO. Mm-hmm. So it was very important for us to focus on post ICO strategy, which we're raising money now um, with a valuation of 40 million US. Uh, but the question is, how do we get post ICO strategy to really boost us and take us to the next level? We have a strong business mind and and something we really want to focus on as a next step in, in the post ICO strategy is not just raising funds, but taking care of investors and ensure that they make a make some growth on their investment. Good deal. What I like, um, the most about your allocation, um, just taking a look in your, at your economic white paper is how much you've dedicated or are going to dedicate to research and development. I feel like a lot of companies drop the ball there. Um, and you've 40%. I mean, that's a sizable amount to dedicate yeah. to research and development. And the reason why I think it's a, a good move is because in this industry specifically, um, I mean, it's brand new. Bitcoin's only 10 years old. Hell, Ether's only three years old, you know, like the the big recognizable blockchains or, or technologies are, are still really young. So if yeah. you're not dedicating a sizable amount to, you know, research and developing new things on top of this technology, then uh, you're just going to be stuck in the mud. So Exactly. No, well, thanks for that. I said, like, what we want to do is really focus on transparency. There's been you know, a lot of unfortunate episodes within ICOs and, and we all get kind of tarnished with the same brush there, unfortunately. So we, we wanted to dedicate a, a high element of, of transparency to what we're doing and, and people want to know what are you doing with my money? And that's a valid question, 100%. So, um, you know, we show that we, you know, put a large element into, into research and development, 40%, as you said, to ensure that we can also stay on the cutting edge of development. So another aspect I want to talk about, uh, just a little bit about is locks. This is something that you know we were very stringent on with our partners, so early investors, et cetera. And I know you know we've seen a lot of cases where a lot of ICOs don't put locks on or don't put sufficient locks on their partners. And we really focus on people who are who believe in what we're doing and believe in this in us as a business, not just a, a token. We really want to roll out a business and a business solution where we're around in five, 10, 15 years from now. Um, so, you know, we put some quite significant locks on a lot of different partners, even our big investors, um, everything from one year investments, uh, one year locks, sorry, to six month locks on these investors as well. So the team, for example, it has a minimum of one year lock, but that's then rolled out uh, over a three year basis. So there are a lot of different things that we do just to ensure people that we are here for the long term and, and we believe in what we're doing and the people we're getting on board are also in there for the long term to ensure that we've reached these goals that we have. Good deal. So um, let's um, let's also discuss how the user interacts with MXC, right? What's what's the user story like? You know, with, with Bitcoin, it varies. It's pretty simple. Nowadays in the states, you log on to Coinbase, you buy some Bitcoin. 
Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what the standard person in the States is doing. <laughs> no, one's, no one's buying 50 cent CDs or pizza with it anymore, huh? How surprising. It's, uh... Yeah, <laughs> not anymore. I always tell my friends, like, look, you can buy a PlayStation or you could buy 15 maybe five years from now. Mm-hmm. That's a risky bet, isn't it? I mean, those people who bought a piece of pizza like five years ago with Bitcoin. Oh, um, yeah. I dare say that pizza costs them a bit of money now. So yeah, yeah. The, well, the true story behind that is they were. It was actually four pizzas. So four pizzas for ten thousand Bitcoin each. Oh, well, that sounds like a great deal. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> forty thousand Bitcoin. Can you imagine? But anyways, um, what's the user story with MXC? Um, you know, do they go to the website? Do they have a wallet? Um, do they have to download a wallet? Do they have to? You know, let's kind of take. Sure. So, so in regards to that, uh, look, there's a lot. First, thing I want to say in regards to the business side of it. So just uh, earning token as well. We have a, earning a token element with the um, the the um, uh, shared economy aspect that we have. In, in so people can earn this without necessarily buying MXC as well by setting up an LPN network. But we will be releasing a um, wallet as well. So we'll be releasing a token. After the public ICO, which you know is a, I would say around about October, and then we'll be looking then to release shortly thereafter and dropping the coins into the people's wallets there. So there will be an MXE wallet uh, released as well. We are in talks with a number of different exchanges. However, as much as I'd like to talk to you more about that, I have uh, been advised that I cannot at this point. But mm-hmm. we are we are going for obviously, and I know many people will tell you this that they're doing the same, but. We want the big exchanges because I think our offering is very compelling to them and having device data transactions and transmissions that get sent or MXC will get sent on a regular basis makes the uh, makes for a good story and also for a good business case for these exchanges. So in that sense, it's, it's a very attractive um, offer or a very attractive ICO for a lot of these exchanges and something we also want to give back to our investors. So. Um, as I said, we will be releasing the coin uh, shortly. As I said, we'll be doing the public ICO next month and we will be releasing a wallet shortly thereafter in order for people to claim their token. Good deal. Um, so I'd like to ask this question uh, to round out all the interviews on this show. Um, and that question is, is there anything you feel I should have asked you that I didn't? That's a good question. What should you have asked me? I think... You know what I'd like to have a discussion about is something that we're like no one talks about anymore. And and I like to, I don't know, what do you think about what's going on in the market right now? What's your perception of the craziness that's happening? Uh my perception is just an exacerbation of the same cycles that crypto has experienced since the inception of, of Bitcoin. Um, you know, that it's just supply and demand on acid, you know. Um, and since Bitcoin is is the main is the biggest ship in that sea is causing the biggest waves. And I think it always will um, just because it's, it's sets it's set apart from everything else because of its unique origins. Mm. And the further time goes, the less important, but more mytho- mythological those origins become. And they just kind of become staples of a part of this market. Yeah, but I guess I've got a theory about that. And leading on from what you said, though, is that I think obviously we're all very reliant on BTC and what's and potentially, well, not Ether anymore, I guess, but especially in regards to Bitcoin. But 
I just I wonder whether this is maybe a valuable correction in the market where I'm hoping and I really hope that people start focusing more, especially in regards to altcoins, in regards to what their purpose or what they're delivering to people. Um, yes. That for me is kind of our dream as well as that people like, please, please, please focus on the investment. Will this be something? Can you imagine that this will be a, a valuable business in the future? Do you imagine that people will actually use this token for the purpose they put out? Or is it simply going to be traded on some exchanges and potentially not be there in two to three years' time? And I just wonder if people, if there is a realization, I, I do feel that there is, you know, some, some, some. It's gaining some ground in regards to, hey, what are these purposes? And in order for all of us, you know, all your listeners listening as well, we need, we need, we've all got a responsibility to really take this to the masses and take this to the public and get the education out there. So I think we're always, and that's why you're doing such a great job with your with your podcast. We need to get this education out there and inform people of what we're all doing. And once we can take this to the mass market, I don't think anyone can really slow any of this down because it's taken such such a valuable step forward in regards to mass market adoption. Mm-hmm. And then you know all of the other forces, and there are a lot of forces against us: big business, banking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they can't really do much more about it once it makes that transition into the the wider wider area. So yeah, absolutely I'm just, right. And maybe I think a lot of it is education. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? We all talk about decentralization, but let's be honest. There's a huge centralization in education within blockchain and Bitcoin or whatever you want to say. And it's all of our responsibility to ensure that the wider public um, can understand this. Don't get me wrong. I've got my challenges. I'm still trying to explain it to my parents. But you know, if I, if <laughs> I can crack that one... If I can crack that one, then I've made it. You know, so it's, I think it's just important that we really focus on the decentralization of knowledge in this industry and yeah. take it to the masses because that will be our our insurance for all of us and all investors leading leading on in the future. Yeah, that's that's kind of the challenge. You got to take the learning moments. Like whenever I, you know, go visit my parents and they're like, "Hey, you know, something's wrong with the internet," and I'm like, "Okay, so you need to reset your router." <laughs> you know, let me take this moment to uh, educate you on data packets. And how they move on the internet. You know, there's, I think the the significant leaps that that need to take place on just the the regular everyday person's um, knowledge of of how the internet works um, has to come before they even begin to to grasp how cryptocurrency works and why it's important. And unfortunately, I don't know why, but we have developed this very amazing tool called the internet and hardly anyone knows how it works. And then, Mm. and then you tack on, on top of that every five years, it changes so much. Like (laughs) you've got to learn almost all over again, if you've been sitting on ass. So yeah. um, Looking at just on building on what you said there, look at computers. I remember when I was a kid and they first came on, when I was using the eighties, it was extremely difficult. I mean, okay. I was a kid probably as well, but uh, it was extremely difficult to use a computer, but then, UIs improved and UX improved, and now everyone can pick up a computer and use it straight away. It's not a problem. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we'll, or we'll get to that area within tokenization as well. Like it's very difficult and it's very masked. I don't understand things maybe, but then in five years, 10 years time, it becomes a lot easier to trade. It becomes a lot easier to get involved in these things. And, you know, and also, let's face it, providing a purpose is the key, I think. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do at MXC. If we can provide a purpose where the common man or woman on the street says, this is why I need MXC, for example, and it's making my life better. Now I understand why we need these tokens. I think yep. that's the 
challenge and something we, we certainly, it's a challenge, absolutely. I totally agree with you and it's not easy, but as we say in German, einfach kann jeder, which basically means like if it was simple, anyone could do it. But, you know, that's a challenge we all need to to take einfach on board and, and move forward. And einfach kann jeder, yeah. Einfach kann jeder, okay, I like yeah. that. If it's easy, anyone can do it. Basically, that's a rough translation there. So, but yeah. and that's the thing. So, I think we've all got a responsibility to do that, and that's something that will guarantee, uh, you know, or ensure us moving forward uh, that we will be. I see probably less fluctuations. I hope within the market and create more confidence around these different tokens and including Bitcoin. Absolutely, I hope you're. I I hope you're right. I think that's going to be the route to take. And then, a lot of times when it comes to the consumer, they just find, need to they. They have to have a need identified Absolutely. for them to pay for it, and then they'll gladly pay for it. You know, like yep. for, for for whatever reason under the sun, billions of people have said, "I need to pay twelve dollars a month to have access to very shitty movies via Netflix." Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you know. <laughs> however, I'm one of those people. I get on Netflix and I'm like, "Oh, that looks like a very crappy one. I want to turn that one on next." <laughs> So yeah, absolutely. It's about purpose. It's all about purpose, you know, and, and AOL did it first. They were like, Hey, you like this shiny new internet? You like this guy yeah. telling you you got email? Well, you're going to pay us 10 bucks a month. Exactly. So, you know, so, and that's, that's the thing. I think that's going to change in the next few years where we, we, as you said, we'll start focusing on those companies, especially ICS who can provide real purpose for either business problems or societal problems. And those will be the breakthrough currencies. I really hope, and I'm, I'm very passionate about that. That's going to be the change that, that we've all been looking for so me too um well aaron thank you very much for swinging by thank you thanks for your time and uh, you know if there are later developments that you'd like to come back to the network uh, maybe via different one of our shows we have eight different shows nowadays so we we're trying to keep the content pumping out um but if you want to revisit the network um then you know reach out again and um, thank you for stopping by Thanks for your time today.